If you have any information about the disappearance of Alicia Navarro, please call the Glendale, Arizona Police Department at 623-930-3000, the Anti-Predator Project, at 305-796-4859, or you can email me, Alyssa Fleck, at gonefromglendale at gmail.com. If you think you see Alicia, please call 911 immediately. After 14-year-old Alicia Navarro is reported missing on September 15, 2019, the Glendale Police Department pulls officers from various beats, including narcotics and gang activity investigators, to launch an effort to visit every registered sex offender within a one-mile radius of Alicia's home. The officers are tasked with speaking to each registered sex offender, but also searching their living spaces. And what you come to understand, digging into the police report documenting Alicia's disappearance investigation, is that there are a lot of registered sex offenders living within a one-mile radius of Alicia's home. Perhaps more disturbing than the sheer number of registered sex offenders living nearby is the number of registered sex offenders who cannot be found, formerly registered sex offenders who have jumped parole and absconded. The Glendale Police Department visits at least a dozen registered sex offenders with their body cameras rolling. Most of the offenders are cooperative, as documented by the police report. During this canvas, the police officers visit a halfway house that is within a one-mile radius from Alicia's home. The residence houses about eight registered sex offenders, including the house manager, who has a prior conviction for child molestation. But when the officers try to make contact with one of the sex offenders on their list, they discover that not only is the man in the wind, he apparently fled town for New Mexico in the middle of the night sometime in 2019. And his neighbors say the man left a bunch of his personal property behind. This is Gone from Glendale, Episode 7, Absconder. September 29, 2019, now 14 days after Alicia has vanished from her Glendale, Arizona home in the middle of the night, Alicia's mother Jessica calls the Glendale Police Department with a possible lead. While handing out missing person flyers for her daughter around Glendale, several people told Jessica they thought they'd seen her daughter in the area of an apartment complex called the Beverly. The Beverly is a no-frills complex located at North 67th Drive and West Montebello Avenue in Glendale, just three miles west of Alicia's home. While its website boasts quiet, idyllic, palm tree-lined streets, reviews online by residents of the Beverly paint a slightly different picture of the residence, which is allegedly popular with drug users who may or may not even live in the complex. 
In the early days of Alicia's disappearance, there were many possible sightings, but most came in with very little information. The police case file for Alicia's disappearance lists these sightings, but as I've said in past episodes, many of the sightings are either not credible, they come in too late, or they provide too little information to act on. Nonetheless, the police department follows up on these leads when they're able. However, the sightings at the Beverly initially seem different than other sightings because of the fact that multiple witnesses adamantly told Jessica they'd seen Alicia in the area, and they seemed so sure it was her they saw. According to the unnamed witnesses interviewed for the police file, two girls in their teens saw the missing poster and said they recognized Alicia as a girl they'd seen recently walking around with a man in the complex. They described the male as having dreadlocks and said Alicia looked sad and it seemed as if the man had forced her to keep her head down. While the sighting seems credible, the case file also notes that some of the witnesses involved in the Beverly Complex sightings were trying to get money in exchange for their witness testimony, which ultimately hurts the credibility of this sighting. On Monday, September 30th, With Alicia now missing for 15 days, a cashier at a Home Depot calls police to report something she witnessed at work. That morning, the cashier was working register number 8 when a young Hispanic female, aged 11 to 14, with light skin, long black hair, and brown eyes, and an older Hispanic male, about 55 to 65 years old, with a medium complexion and medium build, wearing a dark shirt and jeans, came to her register to purchase some merchandise. The cashier couldn't remember exactly what the pair bought, but she did think the interaction was odd. The cashier attempted to talk to the young girl, but the girl did not respond. The girl also seemed fidgety. The cashier then asked the older man how he was doing, and he responded only, okay. She noticed he had no accent. When the cashier got home from work, she was watching the news when she saw an alert about Alicia, and a description of the clothing she was last seen wearing. The woman immediately thought of the young girl in her cashier line that day and decided to call police. The cashier tells police that she asked the girl several questions, but the girl didn't even open her mouth to respond. She also thought the girl's clothing looked similar to what Alicia was wearing when she disappeared. After the cashier calls police, the officers visit the Home Depot The Home Depot's location is not listed in the police file, or it's been redacted. The officers visit this Home Depot to review the surveillance footage. The man and child approach the register around 11.22 a.m. and stay at the register for approximately two minutes. While reviewing the footage, the officer notes that the girl appears to be heavier set than Alicia and is not wearing braces. Nonetheless, the officer sends screenshots to his lieutenant, Lieutenant Nicholas Susurus, and retrieves the man's credit card information. It's interesting to me that the officers went this far to follow up on this potential Home Depot sighting. Of course, it's appropriate that they went to speak to the cashier and reviewed the security footage, but the description of the girl makes it sound like this is not Alicia. Nonetheless, the police take interest in this footage and collecting it, as well as the man's credit card information. They definitely don't go that far for every sighting, so I think that it's worth noting, even if this doesn't sound like Alicia. On October 3rd, detectives begin making contact with all registered sex offenders living within a one-mile radius of Alicia's house. 
Even though the belief is that Alicia was lured from home by someone she met online, the police are working this like any missing child investigation. Most of the RSOs, registered sex offenders, can be tracked down, and most are cooperative. On October 8th, officers attempt to make contact with one of the registered sex offenders on their list. But upon arriving at the registered address, they discover that a new family is living in the home. The family does not know the RSO, and says they have been living there since June 2019. As officers are leaving the neighborhood, they're approached by a neighbor, who says the registered sex offender they're looking for was seen moving out in the middle of the night, abandoning much of his personal property in the house, and possibly moving to New Mexico. Obviously, this is very disturbing and could even seem like a potential lead. However, if this RSO fled back in June of 2019, as the family claimed, that's several months before Alicia went missing. Still, I think this absconder is important to make note of. We don't know that the offender actually left town in June of 2019, if that date is accurate at all. All we know is that this offender, who lived close to Alicia, has been in the wind for several months and left under bizarre circumstances. In this episode, I want to talk about an abduction case, the repercussions of which are unfolding still as we speak. And this is a case that I think is highly relevant to Alicia's story, because I believe it shares so many similarities with what is believed to have happened to Alicia. As a warning, the story involves a minor survivor of sexual abuse, and I'm going to change her name to AJ, but that's not her real name. All the details of AJ's abduction come from a criminal complaint affidavit filed in the Central District of California District Court in 2022. On July 1st, 2022, around 6.30 a.m., the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a runaway juvenile report at a residence in Nipomo, California. The woman who called reported that her step-granddaughter, 15-year-old minor victim AJ, had been staying with her for the past two months. But on the morning of July 1st, 2022, around 1 a.m., Her ring camera footage captured footage of AJ sneaking out the front door of her step-grandmother's house. The woman did not know where AJ could have gone, and AJ didn't have any friends in the area. However, AJ was aware that her family was planning to throw her a quinceanera party on July 2nd, 2022, just the day after she disappeared, and this would be for her 15th birthday. Her step-grandmother said that the quinceanera party was very important to AJ, and she would not miss it. Deputies contacted AJ's father, who resides in Santa Maria. He did not know his daughter's whereabouts. Deputies also contacted AJ's mother, who lives in Arizona. She also did not know of her daughter's whereabouts. At this point, the San Luis Obispo County deputies issued a be on the lookout, or a bolo, for AJ. Now, I want to pause here to talk about AJ for a second and touch on some of the similarities between her and Alicia. Both are Hispanic females who disappear mere days before their 15th birthdays. Both have ties to the Phoenix area. Both had relationships with people they met online while playing video games or on social platforms. And AJ was described as a Hispanic girl 
five feet four inches tall, 105 pounds, with long, straight, dyed red hair and brown eyes. Alicia is also Hispanic, about four feet nine inches, and just under 100 pounds, also with long, dark hair. On July 3rd, 2022, San Luis Obispo detectives interview AJ's cousin, JD, and they learn that AJ had been having an online relationship with an older man. San Luis Obispo detectives speak to JD in Napomo, and she provides them with the following information. JD says she lives in Santa Maria, but frequently stays with AJ at their grandmother's residence in Napomo, California. JD tells detectives about a person who she only knows as Angel, who might be involved in AJ's disappearance. JD first learned of Angel approximately one year ago, she says. JD was having a sleepover with AJ at their step-grandmother's residence when she overhears AJ speaking to a male on the phone. Investigators later learn that AJ's primary residence during the school year is in Arizona, where her mother lives. She lives with her father in California during the summer. J.D. asked A.J. who she was speaking to, and A.J. responded that the person was a friend. But J.D. could hear the male asking A.J. why A.J. was in California rather than Arizona. J.D. also said that the male sounded mad that A.J. was in California at the time and not Arizona. A.J. did not initially identify the man, but later told J.D., that his name was Angel, and he was 15 years old. AJ only said that she'd met Angel through her brother, who had in turn met him through a video game. JD said that AJ had never seen Angel because he refused to show her his face. Angel only communicated through text or voice contact. JD began speaking to Angel herself, separate from AJ, in March 2022, after AJ used JD's cell phone to contact Angel. Angel then began separately communicating with J.D. by text on J.D.'s cell phone number. J.D. thought Angel was Hispanic because he spoke primarily English with some Spanish. J.D. also thought that Angel was older than 15 because he used big words, and he didn't seem to understand slang or teen words. Sometime in March or April of 2022, Angel contacted J.D. and asked if J.D. wanted to run away. Angel asked if J.D. wanted to, quote, go places and do things. J.D. replied no. When Angel asked why, J.D. stopped responding. About six minutes later, A.J. asked J.D. why she was being mean to Angel. J.D. said she did not want to run away with anyone. A.J. told J.D. that J.D. did not need to run away with Angel. They could just hang out. J.D. then did not hear from Angel for the next month. But approximately three days before AJ went missing, Angel had re-established contact with JD. Angel told JD that she had not heard from him because he was busy and had had a family problem he had to fix before something happened. JD was present at the Santa Maria Mall with AJ on June 29, 2022, two days before AJ disappeared. At this point, AJ spoke with Angel through Instagram. AJ used her Instagram account for communication because her regular cell was not activated at the time. AJ also occasionally used Snapchat to communicate with Angel. 
Angel spoke to AJ more often than he did with JD. AJ trusted Angel and would answer his questions directly. About a week before she disappeared, JD and AJ realized that Angel was speaking to them through multiple different Instagram accounts. JD attempted to contact Angel on the day AJ disappeared at about 3 p.m. The call went through, but Angel didn't answer and JD didn't leave a message. JD tells police officers that she believes Angel also went by the name Daniel, which could be concluded from the names on some of the alias Instagram accounts from which she'd called the girls. JD also emphasizes again to police officers that AJ was excited for her quinceanera the next day and had bought an expensive dress and was counting down the days. She knew how important the quinceanera was to AJ, so she was concerned that she hadn't returned home. AJ's step-grandmother had also tried to contact Angel or Daniel on the day AJ disappeared, but he claimed not to know her nor where she was. Here the affidavit notes that a quinceanera is a traditional party held for girls turning 15 in several cultures, including in America, for girls of Latina or Hispanic descent. A quinceanera is the equivalent of a sweet 16 party. It's considered an important milestone in a child's life and is highly celebrated, often with a large party. On July 3, 2022, around 2 p.m., San Luis Obispo detectives spoke with AJ's younger, 12-year-old sister, who I'm going to call Maria. During the interview, Maria provides the following information to SLO officers. Maria was very close to AJ. AJ spent most of her time in her bedroom on her phone, looking at her TikTok or Instagram. AJ did not have many real-life friends or friends at school. AJ talks to a boy named Daniel all the time on Instagram or the Instagram phone feature. Daniel is about the same age as AJ, but the two have never met in person. Daniel plays the video game Roblox with AJ and the girl's older brother. Maria believes that Daniel lives in Los Angeles, but that he's also traveled to and stayed in Mexico. At some point, Daniel said that he was shot and placed into a coma. During this period of time, AJ began speaking with a family member of Daniel's, though Maria was not sure who. Maria shows detectives a picture of someone who she believed was Daniel. The picture depicted a teenage Hispanic male wearing a generic football jersey with no team or identifying insignia. AJ kept her relationship and her communications with Daniel a secret from her mother. AJ told her mother that Daniel was a friend from school in Arizona, but that wasn't true. Maria says that Daniel was the only secret AJ kept from her mother. On the night that AJ snuck out and left, Maria says she saw headlights of a vehicle pull up and stop across the street from their step-grandmother's house sometime around 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. on June 30th, 2022. Maria says she saw a large, dark vehicle stopped on the other side of the street. The car continued down the street and then turned around at the end of the street and drove back by the house. When Maria brought up this car driving down their street to AJ, 
AJ told her sister to go back to bed. Maria then saw AJ get onto Maria's tablet and begin texting with someone. Since AJ disappeared, Maria reported that AJ's TikTok account has not had any activity. Maria thought that was odd because her sister was always on TikTok. Police officers pull Instagram records and they discover that Angel is in fact a much older man named Daniel Navarro and that he has been using Instagram to entice AJ into a sexual relationship. And just to be clear here, Daniel Navarro has no relation to Alicia Navarro. Navarro is a very common last name. Instagram provides records showing that Daniel Navarro was Angel and that he had attempted to entice AJ to have a sexual relationship. On the 4th of July, 2022, Judge Gail Perrone of the San Luis Obispo County Superior Court signed a search warrant for three Instagram accounts associated with Angel that AJ and JD identified, as well as AJ's own Instagram account. Specifically, the accounts associated with Angel were DN84831, and then another account was T period 707 period DN, and then finally DN period 2021 period 01. On July 7, 2022, Instagram provided subscriber information related to the Navarro accounts to the San Luis Obispo detectives. Each of the Navarro accounts identified the subscriber as Daniel Navarro with a birth date of January 18, 1984. So this guy was 38 years old, not 15 as he presented himself. A search of the California Department of Motor Vehicles records for Daniel Navarro reveals that January 18, 1984 is his actual birth date. A review of Navarro's Instagram accounts also revealed that conversations in which Navarro professed his love for AJ and discussed having sex with AJ in order to impregnate her. On February 8, 2022, AJ and Daniel Navarro began to communicate online. AJ explicitly told Daniel Navarro that she was 14 years old and from Arizona. The conversation quickly turned romantic. The two began to call each other baby and profess their love for each other. On March 21, 2022, Daniel Navarro and AJ had the following exchange about AJ bearing Navarro's child. There's an example of a, con- of an, a conversation exchange between Daniel Navarro in, and AJ in this um, affidavit, and I'm actually not going to share it. Um, it can be found online by if you if you search for this affidavit, it's not that hard to find. But the conversation itself, needless to say, is just extremely graphic and inappropriate. Um, and you can kind of use your imagination. It's not really necessary for me to explain, but needless to say, it's very graphic and it's um, clear evidence of of an adult man sexually abusing a minor online repeatedly and uh, trying to solicit her for, for pictures of herself. On the evening of her disappearance, Daniel Navarro and AJ have a conversation about AJ leaving with Navarro. AJ says, Baby, when you came, did you see where all the cars are from our grandma's house? 
there is a door where the kind where the cars are parked, and there is another. As the as as the exchange continues, EJ tries to back out of meeting up with Daniel Navarro, saying, "Baby, I'm sorry, but I can't. I'm not ready. I feel like I'm abandoning them. Baby, I can't do that. I'm sorry." And then Navarro gets increasingly angry with her, saying, "You made me promises. Remember to leave with me. What about making our baby?" And then. A couple of minutes later, Daniel Navarro messages AJ referencing a a woman that he has, uh, that is an accomplice of his, that he has brought along named, named Julie, and he, but he calls her Juju. And Navarro, so Navarro messages AJ, Juju is upset and can't believe we drove here to hear your excuses. At 12.33 a.m., Daniel Navarro messages AJ, Juju drove all this way Okay, so then AJ finally says, I'll go for real this time. At 12.38 a.m., Navarro messages AJ, we just got here, run to the corner. And then a review, so according to the police, a review of Navarro's other Instagram accounts from this time period revealed additional communications between Daniel Navarro and AJ, in which Daniel Navarro and AJ said, I love you to one another. But in the same in the same Instagram accounts, Daniel Navarro was communicating with other females who identified themselves as 14 and 15 years old. Uh, Daniel Navarro told another 15-year-old female that he wanted her to have his baby as well. Daniel Navarro sent a photo of his penis to another 15-year-old. Daniel Navarro also requested nude photographs from multiple other 14 and 15-year-olds, repeatedly trying to procure photos of underage females. And um, the Instagram records show that Daniel Navarro and this Julie, Julie Lay, were working together to procure these photos. Uh, So subsequent searches of border crossing records revealed that Julie Lay and Navarro crossed the United States-Mexico border together on several occasions in 2022. So I think by now you can see there's a disturbing number of connections between this case and the disappearance of Alicia uh, Navarro, who again has no relation to Daniel Navarro. And I'm not saying in any way that that these two um, had anything to do with Alicia's disappearance, but there is such a huge number of similarities, and because we have this affidavit, we have a bunch of information about what actually happened to someone who was abducted in this fashion. So, um, So ping information for Daniel Navarro and Julie Lay's cell phones show that they traveled to Napomo, California, at the time of AJ's disappearance, and then they traveled to Mexico. Instagram also provided information about the IP addresses that were used by Daniel Navarro to access the accounts on Instagram. So basically, after Daniel and Julie abducted AJ from her grandmother's home in in Napomo, they drove her to Mexico for the purposes of sex trafficking her. So Daniel Navarro and Julie Lee were, were caught, obviously, and most importantly, um, AJ was was rescued and is, you know, back safely with her family. And, you know, out of respect for her privacy, there's not a lot of more information than that. And I don't think any more information on her is necessary. But I think um, I think that is a really important story for the for the for the reasons that I shared. So in the years since Alicia's disappearance, there have been a handful of social media accounts, mostly on TikTok that web sleuths and others have become convinced belong to Alicia and feature Alicia performing for the camera while being held in some kind of captivity. These same accounts have been forwarded to Alicia's family and investigators hundreds of times. 
And some of these girls really do look like Alicia. As TikTok users know, other users can interact with and post on users' videos, and some of these accounts seem to play up the idea that the girl making the content could be a kidnapping victim for more views or likes. I won't give out any of the screen names or avatars because so far investigators and Alicia's mother have concluded that none of these girls are in fact Alicia. That will be it for this episode, but I want to encourage you to um, subscribe to this show wherever you listen. Um, Preferably, you could subscribe on um, Apple Podcasts and, um, you know, leave a a rating and review, which which is really helpful for the show. And I know that the release schedule is a little bit erratic. I apologize for that. But if you if you are subscribed, you'll be notified when the next episode releases. And um, as always, you know, if you want to talk about this case, a good place to do that is the Reddit thread for Alicia Navarro um, or the Facebook group for this podcast. Although I have been um, locked out of Facebook for some time now for some reason. Um, again, so I appreciate you and you know how to reach us and, um, you know, thank you for listening. Check back next time. There's come back next time because there's more, there's more sightings. There's, there's more crazy stuff in, in this uh, police file and, you know, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's try to find Alicia. Okay. Thank you. If you have any information about the disappearance of Alicia Navarro, please call the Glendale, Arizona Police Department at 623-930-3000, the Anti-Predator Project, at 305-796-4859, or you can email me, Alyssa Fleck, at gonefromglendale at gmail.com. If you think you see Alicia, please call 911 immediately.